Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. It is OutKick 360. Glad you're with us for the Tennessee Power Hour alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. You can follow the show at OutKick360 on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook and on Instagram as well. We hope you'll, you'll like and subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcasts. And you can do that wherever you found, uh, find your podcast as well. Uh, it is time for the VolQuest Power Hour. It is the Friday edition of the show, which means Austin Price and Brent Hubs from VolQuest.com join us. Guys, hope you're doing well. Doing great, we, guys. How are you? We are Very excellent. Well. Happy Masters Friday to you, Austin. Let's just set the tone, boys. Let's <laughs> set the tone. There we go. Come on, Hutton, give uh, us your best gym dance. I'm already calm right now, just hearing that. <laughs> Hello, friends. <laughs> And welcome to the 83rd edition of the VolQuest Hour. Jim Nance would never allow <laughs> facial hair to look like this, though. That's overrun Hutton's face. That would yes. never happen with Nance. Hey, Hutton, what's the name of my uh, my bay at the, uh, the Outkicks 360 Masters? Can you remember? Uh, I can't. I can only remember flowering crab apple and Mandina. No, no. <laughs> Weeping cherry. Weeping <laughs> cherry. That's it. Weeping Sorry. Cherry. Yes. Weeping cherry. Uh, Austin Price will have the VolQuest Bay at Weeping Cherry for the OutKick so 360 sad. So Masters. Sad. Uh, that's coming up on June 10th. So, guys, I keep wanting to uh, start with football with you, with spring football going on, but there's always basketball news, I feel like, with uh, this Tennessee program. Brent, I want to start with you on this one. Uh, the announcements today, Corey Walker transferring, EJ Anasicki transferring, Eves Ponds going pro. Tennessee's got some open spots to fill uh, with some transfers. So uh, what is the latest and, and what type of movement do you expect with that roster moving forward? Well, let me first say the, the news of the day is not a surprise, I don't think, to anybody. I, I think court, when the fact that Tennessee was looking for any kind of help they could find in the post this past season and Corey Walker could never find a single minute on the floor, you just knew that that wasn't going to work. And then Anasicki went from – playing in December to not playing at all in the month of February, you knew that those things just weren't going to, that wasn't going in the right direction. Um, so no shock that those guys are leaving. I think the question now is what kind of work can they get done in, in the transfer portal? And Walker Kessler is the biggest name out there uh, that Tennessee's involved with. He's transferring from North Carolina, um, you know, because of the Powell kid that Tennessee got to transfer with, they're good friends. Um, that may give Tennessee a chance. I think Kentucky's certainly uh, at the top. Gonzaga's been there. I think Gonzaga's too far away, ultimately. Uh, so I think Kentucky's heavily involved, and they may be the school to ultimately beat. Then we'll see. There's a kid at Furman that Tennessee's kind of messing around with, but he's supposed to do something Sunday. It does not feel like that's going to be Tennessee. And then I think there's going to be some more kids enter the portal around the country, and um, Tennessee will be involved there. They'll continue to look into international a pool to see what's available out there um, and, and look at anybody potentially reclassifying as well. So 
Um, Rick Barnes has talked about it all year long. The name of the game with the transfer portal now is roster management. We'll see how he manages this because he's got a heavy, heavy turnover. What is the latest with John Fulkerson on a decision? Has a decision been made? Will there be an announcement on decision? What do you think about the chance of him coming back? Well, a decision, to my understanding, has not been made. No final decision there. Um, I do think whenever he makes that decision, they will announce something. Uh, I know that um, he did an interview for a news outlet in the Tri-Cities uh, about Des Oliver getting the ETSU job, and, and he politely said, hey, don't ask me about my future. Don't ask me what I'm going to do. I don't think he's come to a final decision yet, although it feels like um, there's been a little more momentum about him returning than there once was. Uh, but I think he is very mindful of not making an emotional decision, and that's why he's trying to get away from it as much as he can uh, to settle in and make a, a final decision. I think that decision will come in the next month, uh, but I, I, I don't think he wants to rush anything because he doesn't want to make any kind of emotional decision. Bottom line with him, he's just got to decide if he wants to play college basketball again or if he's ready to move on in life. Uh, I don't think he's, he's going to go overseas and play. Um, I don't think the NBA is going to come calling. So it's at the point of do you want to play another year or do you want to move on and try to get a coaching career going? You know, what, what's the next year of your life? What do you want it to be like? And I think that's what John's trying to decide right now. The idea, though, of Fulkerson coming back has to be extremely intriguing for Rick Barnes, right? Like, they need him right now as you look at the size and then the leadership qualities that he would bring down low. I'm not saying he's, he's much more than a, a, a really strong role player, but they could use that right now, Brent. Well, they obviously could. And, and I mean, here's a guy that if he's right, if he's healthy, uh, I think he could get back to um, – more of what we saw out of him two years ago as opposed to what they saw out of him this year. Um, and, and when you look at where they're at in the post, yeah, I mean, absolutely. He, he becomes more important by the day, even though uh, the news today is not surprising. Still, when you look at that roster depletion, you know, if you can bring back a, an experienced big man, absolutely it's important. And, and I know that Rick Barnes would love to have him back, so we'll see what, what he elects to do. Again, I just think he wants to take his time and make sure he's not making a, an emotional decision that he's making one based on all the facts of how he wants to go. Cause this is a finale decision for him. It's kind of basketball's over, uh, you know, next phase of life or, Hey, we're going to go do the college thing one more year. I'll say this guys, it, it, to me, it's interesting, you know, from the standpoint of you almost are getting a second, I mean, you, I mean he's getting a second last goal round. So like, what if you played your senior year of high school, it went okay, didn't end the way you maybe wanted it to, but you got a chance to have a redo. That's the equivalent of this. And so, like, I, I think when he left the floor at Thompson Bowling, he was saying goodbye, and then when it ended the way it ended at the SEC tournament, I think it gave him pause, and that's why he is taking his time, as Brent said, because I think he's torn. Part of him likes the way he exited TBA with the big win on senior day, but part of him doesn't like that he didn't get to finish on his, on his own two feet. He's Austin Price. We're also hearing from Brent Hubbs, the VolQuest Power Hour here on OutKick 360. Austin, let's transition to football, and I'll get both to comment here on this after the first scrimmage that took place uh, at Tennessee this past week uh, for Coach Heupel. Behind closed doors, if they're discussing, okay, here's what we have. Austin, let's start with you. What do you think they're actually saying in broad terms? What are, they, what are they saying they have versus what they hope they can do with this group? Well, I think they have flashes of talent. 
uh, wide receiver. I think the offensive staff feels better about that position than they did maybe going into spring practice because they've been able to see what Jimmy Callaway can do. Uh, they've been able to see flashes from Jimmy Holiday enough to where he's drawing praise behind the scenes, and he's limited because he has some uh, off-season shoulder cleanup. Um, they obviously like what Bayless Jones brings. Cedric Tillman uh, had a nice scrimmage. A guy like Walker Merrill uh, made some plays yesterday in the scrimmage, Brent. And then, you know, I think they're still trying to figure out what they got at quarterback. They have some, you know, some really solid, you know, you know, pieces, but, like, do they have the guy? And I think that's the one thing they're trying to figure out right now, Brent, is do we have enough to go alone or do we have to go and maybe potentially bring somebody else in post-spring? Yeah, I don't think there's any question that they, they feel like they've got some weapons, some things they can do. I think this offensive line's probably played a little better than they would anticipate. Um, Jabari Small's been really good. Now, we're talking some praises on the offense, and, and there's huge question marks defensively about this team. I think for this team to be a bowl team, uh, you know, to win six, seven games, they're going to have to outscore some people because I just don't know how much they're going to be able to line up and stop people. And it's not a panic button quote but Willie Martinez this week when asked about you know kind of who are you what's your identity he's we're trying to figure it out on defense we got a bunch of stuff in we're multiple we're not really sure what we can do well and what we can't do well on defense yet um and 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 look this is going to be a much more talented team on offense than they are on defense so you better hope that the news about this team throughout the spring Paul is that offensively it's clicking because if the defense starts winning to me, that says bad things because that means the offense is struggling more than the defense is making great strides. Picking up on some of this, it's, it's early, obviously, but I'm wondering what each of you think in terms of Heupel's offense and the pace of that offense and what that will mean to the defense practice-wise uh, and, and, and what dividends that might pay for a defense that's not stocked like you're talking about but for the, the strains it might put on that defense, uh, particularly through camp. Well, I think that they're, they're going to see such a pace in, in, in spring ball and then fall camp that they're going to be, um, you know, feeling like that, you know, they, things got set in slow motion when they get to the regular year. I mean, I know yesterday when they scrimmaged, the offensive line performed pretty well, especially the back part of the scrimmage. But early on, they had several false starts just based off the speed that the offense is trying to go and, 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 and you know, knowing, you know, rhythm and, 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 and pacing, all that. So you can only imagine, Paul, what that defense is, is going to see, uh, you know, every practice from here all the way to September. And then, you know, when they get to a game and schools aren't going that fast, one would think that it's going to be a benefit. Now, does it mean they're able to make more plays? I don't know. I think ultimately, and to, to piggyback what Brent just said, they're going to allow a bunch of yards. They've got to be really good in the red zone. They've got to have good red zone defense. Ben, don't break. Your teams are going to score on you, but you've got to be able to force them into some field goals to keep the scoring at a minimum. So, guys, uh, Josh Heupel has not been dealt a friendly hand when it comes to disciplinary issues on this team. You've got the incident in the dorm, and now you've got Aaron Beasley allegedly torturing a cat. Uh, what is the latest with these stories? Do you expect resolution on any of this anytime soon? And what do you think Josh Heupel is sitting around thinking with this? Brent, we'll start with you on this answer. What, what is the latest with all these stories? Well, I think the first thing Josh Heupel's thinking is, what the, 
what the crap have I got into? Here? I mean, really? I mean, you're three and seven, and this is what we're doing? I mean, come on. You know, it, it, you know it's not like there's – it's not like some All-Americans are, are getting in trouble here. I mean, you know, it's, it's just a head-scratcher. And then you look at three of the guys who were involved in the dorm room situation. They were all midterm enrollees. They just got on campus. Um, as for those guys who were involved in the incident in the dorm room uh, with the theft and, and that thing – I expect a resolution on that sooner rather than later. Um, I think some of those guys, maybe not all of them, but I think some of those guys may be back on the practice field as early as some point next week. Um, Caden Salter's situation, his case was completely dropped from a legal standpoint. He's been before student conduct. Um, I think there's a resolution in place with student conduct that's waiting on final signatures. And then the final step for him is whatever punishment Josh Heupel is going to deal out for him. Um, and, and so I think that incident is going to get resolved um, for those guys probably sooner. The Aaron Beasley situation, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know what's going to happen there. I, Josh Heupel was asked about it yesterday. And, and Austin, I don't want to say he ran from that one, but he was not like, hey, we support our guy. He, with the other ones, he was like, hey, we back our guys on everything. This one yesterday about Aaron Beasley was very much – we're going to wait and see what the authorities come back and tell us on this one and, and get the full details of the case. We'll address it after that fact. And he, he, he didn't hitch his wagon to Aaron Beasley yesterday at all, in my opinion, Austin. Nor would I, because there have been plenty of kids across college football, whether it be Tennessee or any other school, that have gotten in trouble for drugs, alcohol, getting into fights. But I, the, the torturing of a cat or, or alleged, and that's what it is right now, until proven guilty, he's innocent. So alleged torturing of an animal, that's a new one. And, uh, and so I, I would be more careful with that one than uh, just your every run of the mill kind of dust up in the dorm room. Austin, what, what does it do? Uh, and and I'm, I'm transitioning to the football end of this now. What's it do to the depth at the linebacker position? Who's benefiting from the reps? since Beasley's been suspended? I mean, in my mind, I mean, <laughs> Aaron Beasley hadn't really got on the field since he's been here, so it's not like that this is some kind of huge loss. It's just another body. Like, you just keep losing bodies. You know, you lost Henry and Quafaris Crouch. Those are two bodies. Jeremy Banks is, is you know, doing a few things in spring, but very limited after off-season surgery. Um, Roman Harrison, limited. You know, that's more bodies. Now Beasley's gone. I mean, like, it, they're just down to Quasi Garland, Morvin Joseph, uh, Will Albright, <laughs> they're just not very good at the linebacker position. They're not really deep. Now, when you get Roman Harrison back and you get Jeremy Banks back and, and you know, Garland continues to improve, Joseph continues to improve, how does that change things for Tennessee? I, I think that helps them immensely. Now, does that mean they're going to be great at linebacker? I think that Brian Jean-Marie or Jean-Marie, however you want to say it, is tasked with a really – really uh, tough hand that he's been dealt. So, um, you know, I think the linebacker position is something that Tennessee's going to be a work in progress all year. I mean, listen, the, the bottom line is, I mean, yes, Aaron Beasley hadn't played a lot, but Aaron Beasley was going to be a star. I mean, he's a starter this spring because of sure. numbers. So he's losing a huge opportunity. With him being out, their deep snapper started at linebacker. <laughs> Always good. That, like always high school good. team. I mean, I mean, he, the last time he played, he played linebacker in high school. He came, he came to Tennessee to be a deep snapper, and yesterday he was a starting inside linebacker. How do you okay? look? I mean, that's he's a deep snapper playing inside <laughs> linebacker. I wasn't at the scrimmage, but, I mean, listen, I, I mean, 
I mean, I'm, I'm not knocking the kid. It's obviously a great sure. opportunity for him, but I don't think anybody's sitting there going, yeah, we, we want to go to Florida. Or we want to, we want to line up against Florida with our deep snapper at inside <laughs> linebacker. I mean, so point being to Austin's point, they got to get some guys healthy. I still contend quarterback in the transfer portal. If they don't like what they have, if they come out of spring and go, you know what? We can't get bowl eligible with what we have here in this offense. Still looking at a potential quarterback transfer, another one, even though they took the hooker. And then I think you have to try to find a linebacker transfer just for bodies. That's my opinion. Maybe more than one, it sounds like, huh? Yeah. Well, you got to keep a bunch of people healthy. I mean, you, you can't you can't have a bunch of injuries there for sure because um, even though Aaron Beasley has not played, he is at least a linebacker. Yeah, scholarship and, linebacker. And Lenneth Whitehead is a running back that you say, hey, maybe you move him to linebacker. But here's a guy who's been dealing with a foot injury since he was in high school, and he's not going through spring either right now because of the foot. So they can't even move him over there to take a look right now. Running back certainly better than long snapper at linebacker. You know, yeah, guys, just a, my initial reaction to this story, you know, it's, it's a terrible accusation. But just in totality, and Brent, let's start with you and your reaction to, to this take. Can things not just feel normal with this football program ever? Like it, it, no. everything, every time they make a move to where you finally feel like, okay, take a deep breath, bite the bullet here, so to speak, hit the reset button, let, let's start building again. There's always these crazy stories or accusations or things off the field that distract us from the actual program and the product. It, it is just weird how they can't get out of a rut. Well, and I've said this, and this has kind of been my line to people. Nobody, nobody has more, nobody's had more self-inflicted wounds in a college football program in the last decade than Tennessee has. Now, is that all the coaches' fault? No. I mean, it's, I mean, Josh Heupel had nothing to do with Aaron Beasley, but they're in the headlines with self-inflicted wounds. Now you got the NCAA stuff hanging over your head. Botched coaches' searches. Okay, not 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 putting John Gruden rumors to bed, so allowing that to fester into something else, right? Um, you know, Lane Kiffin leaves, and, and, and you, 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 know, you rush and, and, and make a bad decision there. Bad, I mean, there's just so many things that has been avoidable that Tennessee's been able to, should have been able to avoid that they can't get out of their own way because it's self-inflicted stuff, and it's 10 years of it. So to answer your question, I don't know when it's going to end. <laughs> And I'm Austin, not trying to be mean, but no, that's, no, just, yeah. that's just the way it feels. What do you think when you hear that, Austin? I mean, I think he's right. I mean, it's one thing after another. I mean, like, you know, again, you've got the, the what happened there with the four players or five players, however you want, however many number you want to go. Because I mean, James Robinson's never been really linked to it, but at the same time, he's not out there and for a similar reason. So you know, you've got a, you know, that happens, and you're like, man, these are three of these kids are midterm enrollees they should be finishing up their final semester of high school instead they're moved off campus not a part of the program because they made a, a dumb decision blah 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 and then aaron beasley says hold my beer i'm gonna get us in this thing where i've allegedly tortured a, a cat i mean it's mind-blowing so brent's right i mean it's one thing after another Brent's heard me complain and moan like all offseason about the fact that Tennessee can never just like fire a coach and move on to the next. I mean, look at the last two. You have you fire Butch, 
you know, Shiano fiasco, all the way through all that stuff with Curry. Curry gets out, Phillips in, he's got his search. Then Jeremy has to come in, he hires a whole staff. Then the exit of Pruitt and Phillip all together at once, then they get hired an AD. But we like, <laughs> never anything can be simple. Like you just can't say, hey, you're fired. Okay, we're gonna hire this guy. It's never that easy here, ever. Well, it's uh, it's amazing when you go through that list. It's, yeah. uh, it's incredible, the laundry list of things. Um, let, let's talk about someone who has impressed, an, an actual positive story with Tennessee football, <laughs> and that's Jabari Smalls. I know last week, guys, and Austin, I think you were talking about this, uh, the package deal that goes right, where uh, you get one player in because he's a buddy or a high school teammate of another player, and they turn out maybe to be the better player. Uh, Jabari Small seems to be working out right now, uh, coming out of the city of Memphis. How much has he impressed this coaching staff in Austin? We'll start with you. Oh, I think he's impressed them a ton. I mean, they really just like him. Now, there were members of last year's coaching staff that were pushing to get Jabari more and more playing time. I mean, he's the guy that just is a worker. Puts his head down. He goes to work. He's not a, really a trash talker or any of that. I mean, and, and I think he thrives on being the underdog. He was the underdog in high school, made it all the way to a Mr. Football finalist, an award won by his best friend and teammate, Omari Thomas. Um, then, you know, he's committed to Ole Miss, then flips to Tennessee, um, you know, just basically because, you know, Big O's coming here, and, and Tennessee wanted both at the end. They didn't want him to begin with. And, and they went and made the decision late in the game because David Johnson did a phenomenal job, Brent, of keeping Jabari warm in the recruiting process. He didn't neglect him. He called him, and he called him. Even when Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt didn't want Jabari, then when Tennessee decided to go for him, it wasn't like you come out of nowhere. You'd always kind of been there. And, and, and you know, I, I really credit David Johnson for that. I mean, he did a really good job with him. And uh, the kid just, I think, thrives on being kind of, an afterthought and right now he's not an afterthought he is the man uh, in that running back room uh, the, the man with the most experience even if it's very little and the guy that continues to impress the coaching staff well and he it reminds me a little bit paul of the nfl world i mean how many guys are running look i know derrick henry's you know the cat's meow and, and he's a high draft pick but how many people around the nfl are playing with fourth fifth six round draft picks you know that all of a sudden everybody goes well who is this guy all right, and, and and that's kind of the way running backs are. You can find running backs that that aren't five stars who are good players, three star guys, just like you can find one late in the draft who's a really good player. And that's kind of what I equate Jabari Small to coming out of high school. Is kind of just a late round pick in the NFL who's much better than anybody thought because he's got a great feel for the game, good vision, good footwork, goes to work every day, and, and just and loves to play and. Uh, he's going to be. He's going to come out of spring as the number one tailback, no question. Um, he has taken, you know, where it grade left, and he has run with this opportunity, and, and he, he's having an unbelievable spring. People are saying it publicly. People are saying it behind the scenes as well. They love this kid. They love how he fits into this system. We love this hour. This this is our one hour that is video and podcast only per week. The VolQuest Power Hour. Uh, and we love that because we can go for 27 minutes straight before we take our first break of the hour. Brent and Austin make the rules. We don't. And when they say take a break, <laughs> we will. But when we come back, we will discuss Hendon Hooker and the impression that he's making on this Tennessee coaching staff. That's the one that matters. And whether or not he's in the position to run the tempo of offense 
that Josh Heupel is going to require. And can Heupel even run the tempo that he wants to run right now? That's next on the Tennessee Power Hour. Brent Hubs and Austin Price. VolQuest.com is the website. And we welcome you to follow them on Twitter. Of course, uh, Austin is at Austin Priceless. Brent is at Brent underscore Hubs. But we're still waiting on him to tweet something from the account uh, to make it official. So uh, hopefully, uh, maybe Brent gets more active there. If not, just follow VolQuest straight on Twitter. Austin, um, curious, would you pay double or triple to be in attendance in a, at Augusta this year because of the the limited tickets that are available. Oh. I would have paid. I would have paid it meant to be at the one in the fall if you know if just period. I mean whether they had fans or not. I would have that just because I think it's such a unique thing. Um, but no, I, you know, uh, just I mean I w- I'd love to be there, but at the same time it, it I wouldn't pay double or triple. I would. Uh, I thought VolQuest was doing a little bit better than that. But <clears throat> we're doing what we can, boys. Got to get those subscriptions up. Let's get those subscriptions up. You, Hutton, you're wearing a, a Masters shirt today. Yes. That is not a part of the of the Austin Price collection. That's Uh-oh. one of the few Masters shirts <laughs> I've ever seen that it's, Austin it's, doesn't doesn't own it's probably it, not the right name brand right um so austin uh, austin's gotten to the point where augusta's a little i don't want to say beneath him but he, he's done augusta you know it's kind of like, yeah. eh, he's on the san andrews I mean, yeah. since we're doing this on zoom i could share my share the screen and y'all could watch me hit my shot on 12 from seven years ago it's only been on Twitter four times this week, Austin. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah hey, listen, very jealous, we've man. got easy, easy access. We'll, we'll, we'll never apologize for rubbing you. that in the face of everyone I know that I got to play that seven years ago. We'll never apologize. It's a tradition unlike any other. And you, and you should never apologize for that. I, I, I don't know if Brent's ever heard this story, but it will not surprise Brent that Austin took offense to this on the, the hollow, hollow grounds of Augusta National Golf Club. Um, and I, I thought it was hilarious. So yesterday, I'm driving home listening to a radio broadcast. And it may have been on TV. I can't remember which if I got home. Mm-hmm. But a guy was describing how he was walking the course during a practice round and, and you know, checking the undulation of the greens. And uh, he had a peach with him. And he had the pit of the peach. And he didn't know where to put it. Right? He, didn't, he felt terrible throwing it on the ground. And it reminded me. In nature. It remi- In nature. It reminded me of Paul pouring out his ice. Uh, ice is far ice, more innocent. Pouring ice onto the grass at Augusta. And then saying. And Austin looking at, looking at Paul like he just littered. No, well, I mean, to, to my credit. Disgusted. I, I don't know if it's to just my disgusted. credit. Disgusted. I wasn't reacting to Austin. I threw the ice on the ground, and then I looked up at, at these two guys and at Austin, and I said, Am I allowed to do that? Because I was being completely respectful of the grounds, and I think even melting ice is an eyesore at Augusta. And it would be gone in five minutes, but I could understand the peach dilemma. I mean, there's nowhere on earth I would hesitate to throw a peach pit. I don't eat peaches. But a a peach pit in nature is no offense anywhere. And at Augusta, I can imagine somebody coming up behind you to sweep it up and admonish you. To... 
to episode one of season three or four of House of Cards when Frank Underwood, uh, Kevin Spacey's character, opens up and he, he's peeing on his dad's grave. Like that's basically what you did. <laughs> like, you just don't do it. All right, listen, I, I, wanna, I want you guys to speculate because I know there's no information out there as to what uh, the spring game at uh, the University of Tennessee will look like in terms of uh, fans. Uh, you know, if you had to guess uh, how many people are going to be allowed in there and how does ticket distribution work? You know, administer those. and They're going to obviously have COVID protocol. I'll say this. I, I don't think it will be – it's obviously not going to be 100,000. I don't know what the number is going to be. I don't think they're going to run out of tickets. I think there'll be enough available attendance that pretty much anybody that wants to go to the game is going to be allowed in, in, into the game. Cause I so don't you're saying 100,000 people don't want to go? No, no, no. no. I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying 100,000 people <laughs> do not want to come to a spring game. Uh, that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. And that's not a knock. I don't think anybody's selling out their spring games. I mean, that's just – look, they're all on TV now. Everybody knows that you might see a little bit for a half a quarter and then it becomes, you know, the, the walk-on kid from somewhere that you're never going to see again, you know, who's going to be the MVP of the spring game, and, and that's kind of where that's going to go. So I don't think there's going to be I, I – I, I think the supply will equate and handle the demand is what I'm saying. I don't know what the number will be, but I don't think they're gonna, anybody's going to announce a hard sellout at this point. Brent Hubbs and Austin Price with us. Austin, based on what you're hearing, and, and Hubbs chime in here, how has Hendon Hooker looked to this point? What were the first impressions of the, the scrimmage that you've heard about from the transfer? He was uh, the most consistent quarterback yesterday. Harrison Bailey uh, did start the scrimmage. Um, Hendon Hooker, uh, I think Brent, Rep more than anybody else, and a lot of that was the fact that he'd kind of earned it with his play over the course of the scrimmage. Um, he was very efficient um, yesterday, um, running the offense and being able to go with the tempo that uh, Josh Heupel likes. I think part of that's just the experience. I mean, he's played a lot of football, and uh, I think that that helps him more so than the other two. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a guy that is you know trying to seize the opportunity. I don't think he's run and hid with the job or anything like that. But of all the guys, I think he's been the most consistent this spring in terms of accuracy and managing the offense and the tempo, getting people lined up. Now, obviously, they had some some mechanical issues yesterday with the false starts and some of that early. But I think it's a situation where um, – he's probably been the most competent in terms of managing the pace of the offense closer to what Josh Heupel wants. I'm not sure to this point they've gone as fast as Josh Heupel wants. Um, I, I don't think they're at that point in terms of being able to, to manage this offense that way. They're getting closer, but I don't think they're at the pace that he really wants to play at. Brent, we'll, we'll go back to you and start with you on this one. How is Josh Heupel in front of this team? We've seen tidbits of videos the university's released with him addressing his team, but just from a personality standpoint, what's he like when addressing his team? Is there a variance of personality on this staff, or is it a lot of guys who are very similar to Josh Heupel in terms of personality? Well, I think there's a variance. I mean, I, you know, I, I think you know everybody's personality is a bit different. I think Willie Martinez's personality and Rodney Garner's personality is probably different because of their SEC experience. 
you know, you got a couple other guys who have power five experiences that are probably a little bit different uh, than other people. Uh, we know Coach Eckler is – we've seen him on Twitter. You know he's he's running hot most of the day. You know, I mean, that, that's kind of the tempo he's at. I think the big thing with Josh Heupel, and I think Josh Heupel has conveyed this to his staff, and his staff is conveying this to this football team. I think Josh Heupel feels like this team needs a shot in the arm and confidence. They need a shot in the arm and belief. Uh, they need it. They need. They, they need to feel like they're capable and, and good enough to be successful. And I think that's been Austin. His message from the get-go has been team building and give them some things where that they have some positive things to build off of to gain some confidence coming out of the spring. I think it's been a big emphasis for the staff. Guys, what has Dan? Go. Oh, was- You know, I equate it like with my kids. Like if I make my kids shoot on the 10-foot goal, in the long run, it's going to be best for them. But, you know, if I lower the goal down to seven feet where they can actually make it, I think that they're able to have a lot more confidence. So I think that right now it's about kind of lowering the expectations a fraction to, to, give this, to give these guys some confidence going forward. I mean, the offense has made the most plays. And Brent said this earlier with you guys. That's the best thing that can happen for Tennessee this spring. The offense continued to excel. You kind of know what the defense is, but you need this offense to get some confidence, to figure out the quarterback position, to to, to see some of these young pieces kind of grow up and, and, and improve and, and get more polished. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, what Josh Heupel is trying to do is very much instill confidence. You've seen that with the assistant coaches. I, I think they're all in uniform message that, you know, it's about building up and then once they build them up, then they'll figure out, okay, now let's shape them and mold them into what we need. So he's lowering the rims for UT. So, Austin, I'm coming back to you on this one. Recruiting uh, right now. I know Vols fans are looking for any bit of news they can find in terms of targets and who's, clo- <laughs> who's close to doing what. Um, are there a few guys that you feel uh, pretty confident or close to making a decision that Tennessee's the closest to getting to commit, or is it still a big mystery right now? Well, I mean, the, the first ones that are slated to decide are the, the Wade twins, Destin and Keaton Wade. They're going to do something next Friday. They'll visit uh, Kentucky later today and then tomorrow, and then they'll come back to Nashville and then start working towards a decision. It's Tennessee and Kentucky. That's the top two teams. I think it's still very much up in the air. I don't think the kids have decided. Um, I think at one point Tennessee had a lot of the momentum. Right now Kentucky seems to kind of have some momentum. But I don't think that it's it's done by any stretch of the imagination, and and I think a lot of it is just simply you know where does the family where does Destin feel like you know this this Tennessee program really wants him at you know are they going to give him a legit shot at quarterback because that's what he wants he wants a, a legit shot at quarterback um, there have been a lot of kids that have come here or gone elsewhere that wanted a legit a legit shot at a position some of them have proved they can play it how much how many people when Derrick Henry came out of high school were telling Derrick Henry you can't play running back at Alabama. Nick Saban's going to move you to linebacker. You look just like Dante Hightower or, or one of those typical Alabama linebackers. All he's done is <laughs> go win the Heisman Trophy and rush for 2,000 yards in the NFL and, and, and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, to me, it's up to Destin wherever he goes, um, and, of course, Keaton as well, to, to prove they can play a certain position. So those are the first two. I think Elijah Herring at Riverdale, um, you know, is, is fairly close and makes a lot of sense. Giovanni Davis, I'm not sure he's super close, but I think, you know, he, Tennessee's in a really good spot there. 
Um, I think Tennessee's really surged for a guy like Cam Miller. That's a Tennessee-Alabama battle. And, uh, you know, he's going to camp at Alabama in June. Um, and we'll see what happens there. Um, but that's kind of where things are right now. I mean, not a ton of traction, but a little bit. And let's face it, if, you know, they can find a way to turn the tide and land the waves next Friday, then I think things start to fall in place a lot more than if they don't. Brent, do you buy the Josh Palmer pre-draft hype that's happening right now for the former Tennessee wideout? Uh, I think that I think Josh Palmer, and, and I've had this conversation with, with some NFL folks, I, I do think he's going to be an NFL wide receiver. I, I don't believe the mock drafts that have him as the first ball taken ahead of Trey Smith. Um, I, I think Josh Palmer's got a, a nice skill set. Um, I think the thing that's helping Josh Palmer more than anything right now is Marquez Callaway. And the year he had last year with the Saints as an undrafted, under, you know, undrafted free agent, there's a lot of people going, wait a minute, maybe this guy's a good receiver, a better receiver than anybody thinks. The problem was nobody could get him the football at Tennessee because of how bad the quarterback play was. So what does he look like when he's got good quarterback play around him, when the ball's on time and, and those types of things? He's a good athlete, smart football player, good route runner, um, I, but I, I don't think I, – I, ultimately, I think Trey Smith will get drafted ahead of him, but I do think Josh Palmer has a, has a really great chance of making a 53-man roster, and I'm not surprised he's generated some buzz. Here's the thing with, for Palmer for me, and I'm going to go the opposite of Brent, is the one thing Callaway brought that, that Palmer don't is a toughness on special teams. He didn't play special teams. Mm, that's a great point. That's you know, great and, point. And, that's, and that's the thing about Callaway – and as he earned his spot as a special teams guy. And then when they had a couple of injuries, he kind of came in, had that one, you know, game where he had like six or seven catches or whatever it was from Drew Brees. You know, if Palmer can latch on as a one, two, or three, obviously he's not going to be a one or two, but if he can latch on as the number three, because normally that four and five guy, Paul, are they not special team guys? You know, I mean, that that's, that's where I kind of am with this thing is like, if he can't get that kind of that number three spot, I'm not sure he can latch on as a four or five receiver because he don't play special teams. While we're at it, what are you hearing uh, about Bryce Thompson? I think it all depends on, you know, kind of if a team falls in love with him. You know, if you put on his tape, he is a, you know, fourth, fifth, or, or fifth, sixth, seventh round draft pick. But if you just look at his, like, his measurables and pro day stuff, you know, I don't know if any of that just screams draft, like, you know, in, in that range. I think from a playmaking standpoint, you know, um, he's that. And here's one thing you got to think about Bryce is like he was really going to have a, uh, a a shoulder cleanup um, after uh, the season, then decided to turn pro, signed with an agent. I'm not sure he's ever done that. And, you know, and Paul, you can speak on this better than I can. How different was it this year when it comes to, you know, the medical side of things mm. with kids yeah. and pro days and, and, and the lack of, you know, the NFL combine? I think they've kept it quiet. I think they've had guys with medical questions in bunches go to Indianapolis um, to meet with uh, a group of physicians. A group of physicians, right? Not 32 physicians, but a representative group of physicians that then share information. So it sounds like Thompson would qualify as that if he came out with a shoulder question. Um, you know, I think that um, he's got toughness. He's got grit. He, he, you know, he's not afraid of contact necessarily. I think the question is, does he have enough 
of that explosiveness and, and to, that, to, to be able to line up and play man coverage against high-quality guys in the NFL. So I, I think I think the big question for me that a lot of people are going to have with him is does, does, he, does he move and does he run well enough? Our scout friend Blake Bettingfield in, in the file he did for me had him at a 4-5-2. So like you guys said, you know, fourth at the top, probably fifth or, fifth or beyond. And, you know, how does that time speed translate in people's eyes or how did it translate to his, to his play speed? Brent Hubs and Austin Price with us. Guys, as we wrap up, um, aside from he's just doing athletic director things, what, what has Danny White's focus been uh, with Tennessee since making the hire and putting the football program in the hands of Josh Heupel? What has been going on? What has been the focus of that office? That, that's, that's, the, that's the notion. I mean, and, and that's the thing. You look at the most hires he's made, the – they announced two more today, um, and, and it's all in the Tennessee fund. And he, he, his, his greatest reputation is, is being a fundraiser and being able to generate money. Um, and uh, he has gone out and he has assembled a staff uh, in the Tennessee fund to try to, try to generate more money. Uh, we reported this a couple of weeks ago. I think they're getting ready to announce a capital campaign, fundraising campaign, not for a specific facility but just to try to grow their budget and want to increase their budget. And his first all-staff meeting that he had just a few weeks ago, finally having one, he told them, my focus at Tennessee, my focus here, my first year, two years at Tennessee, is to grow this budget. we we got to get to $200 million in our budget. So we're going to be out soliciting, asking for money, an increased number of, of donors and donation. So his focus right now is on getting financially more sound at Tennessee. I, I think that's his, I don't want to say his sole focus, but that's clearly his biggest focus. I know Austin's focus is about to be on Augusta National. Brent, I don't know how much you tune in during the day. I know Brent's coming to his life from his farm, uh, so I'm sure he's about to go back outside and, and, and try to get some, some, some work in ahead of uh, the weather that's headed towards East Tennessee. Got the fence in. Got <laughs> to keep the cattle in out there. Hey, man. Put it in. I, I, I don't have three TVs going where I can watch every vantage point uh, on the mountain <laughs> yeah. like Austin does today, but that's okay. Um, yeah, we, we'll get a little work done, but I will, I will catch up. I watched a good bit of it yesterday, so uh, I'm having, I mean, the only thing that interests me about this tournament right now is the golf course, and yeah. I think that's a scary notion for golf, and I know that's not why we're on this, this power hour, but golf doesn't have enough personality right now to generate a lot of storylines. No offense to Justin Rose, but he's a robot who went low <laughs> yesterday, right? Just, I mean, you're that's not wrong. You're, right. you're not wrong. I mean, and you know, Phil Austin and I talked about this earlier. Phil Mickelson is is old and his aviator yeah. shades. He's not gonna he's not gonna generate any buzz. That sport right now is lacking personality, which the numbers the ratings will be fine because it's Augusta and the Masters, mm -hmm. and everybody knows that golf course. But overall, golf's got some issues because I don't think they have near enough personality in the game. Austin, how difficult has this hour been for you he's to actually? Watching. Oh, he's been watching. I know he's been watching, but he's also been attentive to us, which has to be a, a struggle. No, it's not at all. I mean, like I've, I've, I think <laughs> I've looked at the leaderboard. What's the leaderboard twice? look like? I think I've looked at the leaderboard twice uh, just to check to see where the guys I've got in my little pool 
um, as we raise money for LLS here in Knoxville to see to see where my guys are. But it's like I'm not charity. It's it's okay. I'm gonna go downstairs. I've got it on the uh, Apple TV on the Masters app. Got watching featured group. Um, Speed's now three under um, in fifth place. He's the one guy that can make. Is he the on the clock exciting. yet? Is he on the clock yet for for you know for 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 taking <laughs> four and a half minutes to figure out if he's going? <laughs> I can't wait till the Outkick 360 Masters. That's going to be so much fun and. Uh, you know, we are going to have a bay there, and I'm hoping I can drag somebody off of the farm. And uh, you know, he will hit those weak little cuts. He's I left hope they handed. have a high. I hope they have a high net on the left side because the ball's going to drift. <laughs> that's really, we're gonna, that's, that our, that's why weeping weeping cherry is going to be on the right side. <laughs> is, that is, that is that a dog leg? Is that a dog leg? I mean, what do we got no. going on there, Austin? Is that going to be a dog leg for me? The beauty. Hey, weeping, weeping, Weeping the beauty cherry, of Top Golf is that Weeping Cherry can hit the fade or the hook, and there's still a target over there. It's possible, <laughs> possible. it could bounce into accidental. Yeah. So you, you could still get points. It is like bowling for golf, <laughs> where you can hit a even if you you know you hit one in the gutter, you still get some points if it's for the charity cause. So uh, and and Austin to play us out. I know you you've got it on your phone or you're on your laptop. Yeah, crank there. that puppy up. A tradition unlike any other. Does. The Do you know the words to it, though? You know the words? I didn't no, know there were words. That's words. No, I didn't know there were words. We need a heavy metal oh, version oh. of this. It's phenomenal. You got to listen to the words. There are lyrics to this song. Don't, don't sing, Austin, please. For the please love of sing. man, don't sing. Please okay? sing. Do it, Austin. Do it. Hold Who on. You know you song, want to, Austin. You know you want to. Who wrote the song? That's the question, Austin. Who wrote the song? Who wrote the lyrics? Uh, it's David Loggins. Kenny's Kenny brother. You didn't know today. <laughs> Is it a, a, related to Kenny? Absolutely. Yeah, Ken. Oh. Yeah. That, the residuals I mean, it, it on meant this. The, dog, but the legions of Arnie Ar- Ar- Arnold's army and the Golden Bears song. Well, don't speak the lyrics. <laughs> Say it. I mean, Austin's <laughs> trying as hard as to get us kicked off of YouTube right now. <laughs> Dude, you two going out at the, at the end of this is it, it, it really puts a bow. It delivers. Or it a is bow a tie, like, like, like some of these golfers. Uh, Austin the and Brent just, for the Ball Quest Hour. I'm really impressed with the Bubba Watson shirt that 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 Hutton's wearing today. That, I mean, that looks like all you need is a pink driver because that looks like <laughs> it comes out of the Bubba Watson collection. He yeah. likes Austin, Bubba. does that not it look is. like a Bubba Watson shirt? It's well, Bubba Watson. It's completely- to completely tied in the the two years that I got to cover the Masters, Bubba won it both times. So uh, you know, wow! Just drop some more Austin. I've played. Yeah, Austin's it. I've completely it down on this shirt, though. That's yeah. below you. Let me tell hey, you something. I will say this: He will never wear that shirt, Austin. That's <laughs> he's not wearing that shirt. No chance. Uh, one one thing I've learned though is being in front of the camera uh, has opened me up to more criticism of my wardrobe. Yeah, it's than, unbelievable. All of than us. any other uh, facet of media I've been on. You know, at least when we're doing like the the TV show on Sunday nights, I'm in a suit, and there's only so many versions of the tie I'll I'll put on. Uh, but with the the you know the master shirt, I mean it's it's a it's a neon green that's certainly not master's green. Um, and you know what I I love it. I'm not gonna stop. I'm not gonna stop wearing this just because Austin it Price would never stop. That's right. Stop. No, it, hey, it works. I, I it works like for it. Her. I'm, Oh, I like it. I, I'm a huge Just fan of bright colors. I, I'm a huge fan of bright colors. I had a pink. I had a pink uh, Chattanooga Country Club shirt on it at, at <laughs> but, practice but the, on Tuesday. The tag in the back is not quality enough for him. All right? <laughs> it, but, it, but he's right. If it's not Peter Millar, 
<laughs> what a snob. Gotta get more. If it's I, not Peter Maher. In closing, we can't analyze Hubs's uh, wardrobe because he's he's uh, got the camera so high that we can only kind of see. Wardrobe is a t shirt. Well, that's what hair. Hey, is, here's what you need to know about me it's 82 degrees outside. I'm in a long sleeve t shirt with a collar that's way too stretched out, and I'm getting ready to go get a, on a lawnmower. And I'll mow in long sleeves today hey, because hey, Paul, I'm a little old frumpy man. Paul, we don't even know if he has pants on. Don't ask him to tilt down. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. I do got those. I got those on. There we go. That's good. That's a good look. God, this has been a great thing. Good luck. Oh, <laughs> uh, the VolQuest Power Hour. Until now, pants optional yes. uh, here on the show. <laughs> Guys, thank you as always. Terrific. We love this. And uh, we will chat with you next week. All right. Sounds Sounds Thanks, boys. Austin Price and Brent Hubbs uh, with the VolQuest Power Hour. A comedy moment there this at the end great. of the segment. The last five minutes was it. fire. Yeah, so right. much personality with those guys. Yeah. We're who just, knew? And you know what? We're not leaving. <laughs> we're, we're staying right here through the end of the show. Um, guys, who are we rooting for this weekend? Is it Spieth? Is it someone else atop the leaderboard that's not Justin Rose? Who are we pulling for? It's definitely not Justin Rose. No. Uh, it's Spieth for me. Uh, that's the no-brainer. I think that Brent Hubbs hits on something. It doesn't hurt the Masters because it's the Masters, but the lack of personality without Tiger in the field is something that we've discussed before that golf's going to have to deal with. But for me, it is, it is Jordan Spieth the whole way. I would like to see Jordan Spieth win. Uh, it would be a nice to see him back towards the top. I, I mentioned earlier this week, once upon a time, when we were talking about people we'd, we'd pay big bucks to go see play. He was your choice. And yep. at that stage, he was a great choice. And he's, he's been an absentee since then. My, my pocketbook would like to see Cam Smith or Tony Fina. Mine would like to see Colin Morikawa, who I think at last check was one under. Our American love well. goes out the window when it comes to our bets. No, well, uh, Morikawa's American. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> not, I'm not talking about Matsuyama. Morikawa is American. Yeah. And, Won and, the PGA Championship last year. Yeah, yeah, my bad. And, and then for me, uh, Justin Thomas. I want to see Justin Thomas perform. He should be top 15-ish uh, right now. Um, and forgive me for not knowing if he's teed off yet, but we're going to watch him whenever I get home uh, to see how things go there. I want a, I want a first-time champion. I, I want someone that's been close, that we keep waiting on, that has a chance to put the green jacket on. Hey, look, the number one thing, I, I, I'm sure you're with me on this, is a back nine that's competitive, super competitive. The second nine. Sorry. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't abide by their rules. I call them uh, fans. It's also patrons, Paul. I call let's, them get it, fans let's get it correct. Also. Um, you know, I want more than two players in it, more than one group in it. Uh, Sunday, We're getting that late today. afternoon. The, the winner in November uh, – uh, was it 20 under that won the tournament? Dustin Johnson. Yeah, but he 19, won at 20 19, under. 19, yeah, 19 was, under. yeah, that's not happening this year. No. That's not happening in April. Yeah, hopefully Coming not. back down to the mix. That's what Justin well, Rose I don't care what today. the score is. There I just go. want a bunch of people at the score. So, Justin Rose, as we go into the weekend for us, um, he is one over for today's round, which means he's one up on Mark Leishman, who's made a nice little run. Yeah. He's five under today. Today. From uh, even. Start of the day even, yeah. Hey, and look who's tied for third there, Tony. Tony Finau, got to, he's now at six under. Smith <laughs> is there. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama, Brian Harmon, Cameron Champ, and much more. Webb Simpson. Uh, enjoy the Masters. Tony Finau, six under for the day. I'll Impressive. Take it. I accept. Yeah. That's right. We are back at it on Monday. Enjoy the weekend. Yes. A lot to recap when we rejoin you Monday at noon Eastern, 11 Central. 
Until then, hit the podcast, subscribe on YouTube, interact with us on Twitter, at Outkick360. Have a great weekend. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Two homework assignments this weekend. Don't block the box. Do lock the locks.